Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Puck Cast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. I am Jason. And I am John. And we are here to talk about UNO hockey. A big weekend for the Mavs, having Cairo College come two of the last three games for the 2020-2021 home season. And a chance to sweep the Tigers out completely for the season. Yeah, and it's yeah, exactly. And it's crazy because we were supposed to play this series at Baxter Arena on February 5th and 6th, um, which would have been three home series in a row. We would have had Denver, North Dakota, and then Colorado College. But we get a we get a we get a week off. They flip they flip series. UNO goes out to Denver. Then they come back here and play the Colorado College series. That that gives them a little bit of time to get a couple of guys back from COVID. I don't know if they had COVID or they were around somebody who had COVID. We will never know. But it uh, gave us a little bit of time, and this series was one. I picked a sweep going in because I think I picked a sweep on every, every home series this this season, and we've seen how that's worked out. We had this pattern going of losing Friday and winning Saturday. Is that right? Yeah, I'm right on that. And this weekend series, we get off to a good start on Friday. Uh, yeah, so first period, one goal, the perennial first goal of the game guy, I think. I would like to go back and actually count it up. I think he's scored more first goals for UNO than any other player. I think and so. I'm willing to bet that the majority of his goals were first goals for UNO. I but. think so, yeah. I think this season he's been kind of like the... He's been the guy who kind of kind of gets things flowing in a game. He really has. So Chase, yeah. Chase Primo Chase gets Primo. the first goal yeah. of the game. And it was, you know, it was a good one about midway through the first. I thought UNO was playing pretty well. Um, Kyra College was hanging in there. I was a little worried just because it's it was one of those weird, like, I thought we were the better team, but the scoreboard wasn't reflecting the performance, I thought, the performance difference between us and Kyra College that first period. What did you think? Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Colorado College is one of those enigmatic teams in the conference where you, you know, on paper, you know, you look at the past several years, we've generally been better on paper than Colorado College, but they're one of those kind of deceptive teams that you play where you just don't quite know how the game's going to go. You can come out and you can look great, but it's one of those teams where if they keep it close, just some, you know, fluky little bounce or something some odd little pass and they may end up winning the game on you so I wasn't sure after that first period what exactly was going to happen I felt good though I felt good though well the second period comes and we get the advantage of a long five minute major penalty Another contact to the head. I thought it was. What did you think about it? I guess I. I was on the fence. I the follow through. I think is what ended up doing it for him personally. I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm so torn on those. We've talked so much on this podcast about the contact to the head penalties. We both understand why they do it. We both understand that this is about safety and and wanting to minimize uh, severe head injuries, concussions, et cetera, make the game safer. 
But, you know, obviously, since they err on the side of caution, there are times when I do think they get a little trigger happy, a little whistle happy. And uh, rather than doing the minor, they go ahead and they do, uh, you know, they call the major penalty. And uh, and since those are the parameters that we we have to deal with and the players know and the players understand, you kind of know what you're dealing with. And so it's usually going to result in a five-minute major penalty. And I guess UNO capitalizes, specifically one player. Uh, Brock <laughs> Bremer gets a pair of power play goals uh, on that long extended power play and uh, yes, it was it, good to see him get on the scoreboard those were two I thought especially the second one like that shot just it was it was good like just under the crossbar over the goalie's shoulder you know a good move to kind of open that up and get around the screen so it doesn't get blocked which is the other yep. good thing and, and uh, it was it was impressive, both of his goals. But yeah, we talked about, and I, I, uh, the days are all blending together. But I believe we talked on the last podcast about how he, uh, a terrific pass that he had uh, in overtime last week against Denver um, to Tyler Weiss that set up Tyler Weiss's OT goal for the Mavs. Uh, the great pass he had on that. So he's a player that's that's been due for a little bit more success. You and I got to see him a couple years ago playing for the Muskegon Lumberjacks. We were impressed with him then. Uh, those were two very impressive goals, as you mentioned, on the five-minute power play. I thought he was going to get a third on the power play. I thought this was going to be the hat-trick power play for Brock. Remember, the pure three-goal-in-a-row power play. I was very excited, but you know, when you're when you're in one of those, you know, like they say, the the all you can eat, the all you can score goal situation, it's it's always pretty exciting. And he was on fire at that point. Not not to bring up old wounds on you, but you remember the conversation about apples. So I have to ask, do you know what a natty hattie is? <laughs> I don't know what is a natty hattie. A natty hattie is your hat trick, three consecutive, so yes. no one else scores in between you, and all in the same period. Yes. Now there are some people who feel like that that's like, you know, that it's, it's not an official hat trick. I've, I've heard people say that they don't believe it's an official hat trick. If you don't get all three goals in a row, it doesn't bother me, but I can tell you wrong. They can say that, but they're wrong. But yeah, (laughs) there's some people. Yes. So, and I will tell you like this, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later in the game when he he does complete the trifecta, but I will tell you, like, no hats. No hats. I think, like, there was one hat that made it onto say, the ice. I saw, I saw one of like, the they showed one video hat. of a ref skating with one hat, and I'm yeah, like, huh, yeah, I wonder yeah. who that guy is. People are, <laughs> that, I don't know. It's, yeah, I don't know if it's the people are out of practice or people are sitting so far away. But, no, I maybe there was lack of it's, hats. It's funny because I remember when the NHL did their pod, and... I'm trying to remember who had the first hat trick. But I remember I was watching the game when he got his hat trick. And I thought it was really cool that they had had thought about this. The NHL had thought, you know what? We should just have some hats on hand so that when someone scores a hat trick, they can throw the hats on. So all these people that were in the rink that were just media people and concession people. Like Like the hats on the rink. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I don't, I don't know if it's people were just out of it and they didn't. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not throwing a hat from the third tier. 
And this was, I wore a hat to this series that I'd worn for the first time because I was looking for another cap and I could not find it. So I pulled one out of my box of caps and it was brand new. And I'm like, well, we're playing so well. There's no way I'd throw this cap anyway. But that thing wouldn't get down there from the third tier <laughs> where we're sitting up in the third or not the third tier. This, we used to sit. I'm, apparently I'm having a flashback to the Civic Auditorium when there were three tiers up in the second tier. We did not throw it. But anyway, anyway, five on three power play. And Johnny Tyconic was involved with both of those both of those goals on the five on three power play there in the second. He's really been an important player this season. Yeah, we've talked about him quite a bit. Um, just the having him back, having that that solid performer on the back end is makes a big difference with this team, especially with some of the the young talent um, up front. So, yeah. So uh, Nolan Sullivan takes a boarding call, a boarding penalty after our power play expires. Did you think? I know the announcers when we were watching, because you were at the game, but the announcers were talking a lot about whether or not that would end up being Cairo College's chance at a five-minute. Um, your thoughts on when you saw that happen, were you worried that Sullivan might be gone again? Yeah, I, I'm definitely worried he might be gone again. I the The... The wonderful thing about being in person is that you get to be there and experience hockey in person. You get a great field of vision. You can look at the entire ice sheet. You can see how plays are setting up. You can see where uh, a pass might go wrong. All of that stuff is wonderful, but a lot of times with these penalties, if you just look away for a second and you look, all of a sudden something's being called. You don't see a replay on the board. So I really had no idea what was going on other than, you know, the precipitous debate on Twitter. Outside of that, I didn't know. So, but I'm always worried. I'm worried in those situations. I'm worried in those situations that, that we might lose a key player. And especially when we are down a few guys anyway, um, you don't want to lose a player like Nolan Sullivan, certainly. Right. He's been a reliable force in the face-off dot for us, so he's always one that when that happens, I'm like, oh, we're we're gonna struggle from here on out. But luckily, it was just two minutes. Yep. And UNO kills it off. Yep. And then they get back to work, and two more fairly quick goals there. Uh, Jimmy Glenn and Ryan Bruchette finish off the scoring in the second period. Yeah, and it's great to see Jimmy Glenn on the board. Again, I go back to our preseason special where we were talking about the new plays, and you and I had never heard of Jimmy Glenn before. And we're like, who's Jimmy Glenn? Well, this is who Jimmy Glenn is. This is a guy who's who's really come a long way. And for a, for a player who wasn't necessarily like a highly touted guy coming in, because we have guys. Like when Tyler Weiss came in, I remember I remember right before the first game, everybody was like, this is, this is a player you got to watch because he played for the National Development Training Program, you know, Colorado Avalanche draft pick. But these are the kind of guys. I love to see guys like Jimmy Glenn having success and doing well. And he's really had success during the second half of the season. So yeah, it was, it was great at that point. I mean, we're feeling, you know, fantastic. We're up four to nothing at that point. I'm just sitting back, relaxing, enjoying the game with, you know, whatever, 750 other people that are in 
or whatever, whatever was at back. So it was probably a little bit more than that. But yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling good. And then Ryan Brochette gets the goal after him. And, and Ryan Brochette's a guy that we talk about a lot, but a lot of times he doesn't, uh, he doesn't put the puck in the net. It doesn't quite get there. He's always a force offensively. You always see him working hard down low, but it was nice to see him get a goal. You know, there was, I think it was last week in the Denver series they were talking, the announcers on the TV were talking about the need to get kids that aren't, you know, top-end talent and get them to perform, you know, at a higher level because, you know, clubs like North Dakota, Denver in its heyday, Boston, Boston College, you know, those are the teams that, you know, anyone with with good talent is going to take a look at, and they they've got a good shot at having a lot of the you know NHL draft picks. And then you look at a team like UNO and say, okay, well, they don't have that many, right? right? And the few that they do have are not you know second, third rounders. You know, the guys that they have are fourth, fifth, sixth rounders, right? And, you know, perennially, like you'll see a couple guys come out of those late rounds every once in a while, but for the most part. I mean, the guys that play in the NHL are you guys that were drafted first, second, maybe third round. And so you really kind of wonder what you're getting. And and I think it's a, a testament to what Coach has done with this team and his commitment to, you know, putting in that he talks a lot in, in press conferences and events. And, um, you know, one of the recent events that we were at, he talked about, you know, the attitude and, and putting in the effort, putting in the work, doing the right things, even when someone's not looking, you know, that's the, I, I asked him a question about um, how, what his expectations were and, and how they would prepare with the change in format for the frozen faceoff. Um, and he said, you know, it's, it's not something you're going to prepare for right before the event. It's something that you know, goes back to the way that you practiced and the effort that you put in at the beginning of the season. Like, it all builds to that, right? And I think that he's really kind of instilled that in these guys, and that's why we see, you know, Brock Bremer performing, um, you know, well. We see guys like Jimmy Glenn, Nolan Krenzen, um, you know, those those new guys come in and see success early instead of having to kind of learn it and build it is because it's it's all based on that work ethic and there's this level of competition you know there's plenty of guys that are talented hockey players that were sitting in the stands on friday and saturday sure because this team has talent and if you want to play you've got to do the right things at the right time and if if you don't there's someone else to take your spot and that's i think a good testament to what the coach has built with UNO right now and that's why UNO is sitting where they are and and having the success that they are this year. Well yeah and that that was one of the problems for them the last two seasons was they just didn't have the depth to not play certain players and so there were guys in the lineup that really weren't getting pushed by players down the roster and I mean you look Mm -hmm. at the you look at the when they when they called off the starters this weekend it's amazing the number of players that were starting who were, you know, freshmen and sophomores. They weren't our juniors and seniors. And I think that that's really significant. The other thing that I would think, and this is to your point about the superstar recruits, obviously when Dean Blaze was here, he was the kind of guy that his, you know, his, his Rolodex 
and his past relationships with with former players and their kids got us some some you know top namer former players former coaches that he had worked with got us some you know terrific players like you know Josh Archibald um uh, Jake Ginsel being two prime examples of NHLers that we had in the lineup in the past but you know, Mike Gabinette not having the pedigree initially is is not probably going to get those recruits out of the box. And that's fine. I know that people were getting excited over the last couple of years when we were getting verbal commitments from, you know, 15 and 16 year olds because they look at that and they're like, oh, that's how you get the best players. You latch them early. And maybe some of those guys will end up coming to UNO. But that's a that's a that's a long ways out. That's that's four, maybe five years out before they actually show up at UNO. And so the ability to go and get some of these guys in the USHL, the North American Hockey League, the BCHL in Canada and some of the other Canadian leagues, guys that can come in, they can contribute and they can have success in the system that Mike Gabinet has, that's what he needs. He needs some of those lunch pail guys. And if you look at the players that they've gotten, um, not only in the ranks who were players who were originally commits to schools like Michigan State and Wisconsin, for example, who come to Omaha, but some of the players like Tyconic and Conley that they've gotten from the transfer portal, you can see that their their path to success might not be going out and getting the young hot shots who are, you know, who aren't old enough to drive, who aren't old enough to vote yet. You know, it might be getting some of these guys. I know they kind of chastised Dean Blaze in his latter year for getting some of the older players. And the problem wasn't that he got older players. The problem was that he got older players who just, for whatever reason, I, I in, in certain instances, I think there was some kind of just some attitude problems there on the roster of guys thinking they were superstars and they just were not superstars. And I think you look at the overall attitude of these players and they seem to be a little bit more self-effacing and a little bit more humble. Yeah. So third period comes about midway through the shutout streak ends. Cairo College gets their first and only of the game. That would be um, ja- Jackson Judding, son of uh, former Mav assistant and longtime Minnesota State Mankato head coach Troy Judding. So we always joke because was, I remember anytime there was a coaching vacancy, there was always somebody on Twitter who would say, Juts watch. And then when the vacancy was officially open, they'd be like, it's a Juts warning now. So I'm like, when he scored that goal, I go to Bridget. I'm like, that's a Juts warning. Let's see if this opens up the scoring for the scoring for Colorado College. But obviously, it did not. No, it doesn't. We come back, you know, real quick and get that one back. Brandon Scanlon with a good shot. Uh, yep. Kind of a seeing eye one. Yep. Uh, another assist for Brock Remmer on that. Yeah, he was on fire. He was on fire. I I tell you, when he was, I remember that that goal because I kept thinking, like, everyone pass it to Bremer. Yep. Because I just, at that point in time, I wanted him to complete You wanted, yeah. I wanted him to get it. I know. We we kept looking for looks with him. We're like, no, he's not going to get I know. I know. There were, there were, he had a number of opportunities there in the third, and you're like, just put one of those, just, just get the drop, put it in. It didn't happen, but. It happened a little bit later, but yeah, that was a great goal by Brandon Scanlon. He has been one of our, our, our most of the, you look at the young defensemen on this team, he's been one of my favorite and one of the most impressive defensemen on this roster. So You expect a lot of good things from him in the coming few yep, years. Yep, for sure. Uh, but Brock Bremer finishes it off, completes the hat trick with 19 seconds left. 
We went crazy. I don't know what you guys were doing at the rink, but that was that was just awesome because it was one of those like I it wasn't the you know he had that snipe on the power play. Yep. Um, he's had you know a lot of like gritty kind of play and stuff, and this was just him picking up a puck that was a 50-50 battle in the slot and then just like I swear he had his eyes closed and just turned and <laughs> just fire that thing in there just fire it in there and hope for the best before time expires and you could tell the guys on the team were just elated for him um he was excited it was just it was just a great energy and I got to imagine that the building just was lit up for that after oh that. yeah it was it was super exciting being in there it was the, that entire game was just a whole lot of fun we ran out of streamers to throw after the goals <laughs> thankfully our friend krutov brought a bag but we did not have a the, the streamer game was not good i was i was a little like you know this happens when you don't bring streamers they score you know <laughs> they seven. score seven yeah. goals, you know, or they score 11 goals a couple years ago. So it always seems to work that way. But, yeah, they were excited. And when you see the team, it's kind of it's kind of neat to watch the body language. I know Bridget films the, the end of the game moments when the teams when the team kind of gathers around Isaiah Seville and they're, you know, kind of high fiving and patting each other on the back. And it's always super fun. She uh, she shares those on Twitter. So if you want to go back and check some of those out, you can. But that's always a lot of fun. Austin Roden seemed very, you know, looking at the game from the bench, he seemed incredibly ex excited. So it's always fun. And, and when they, when, uh, you know, the, the OMAV's Twitter account and the Omaha video share some of the in-locker room stuff, the guys seem to be having a great time. And that that's, again, a testament to the good attitude that they have. But it's just really exciting to see Brock Bremer, a freshman, get that you know that's that's the one thing that's been kind of cool this season has to see how the scoring has come from a lot of different places as the season has progressed so it's it's not a predictable one or two guys it's not a you know david pope who's kind of a go-to guy or an austin ortega it's not like the same player over and over again that you expect and that's that's been a lot of fun this season certainly makes it a little bit more difficult for us though when we uh when we get past this Saturday game and we have to pick a players of the weekend, it's like, I don't know about you. Maybe it's just me, but I sit here going like I'm, I'm taking notes and I'm, I'm making mental yep. notes and, and I'm going, I've got like nine people on the list and there's only like 20 of them on the roster. And how do I pick between half the team? Well, it is, it's, it's one of those situations where you're like, you know, you can make an argument for a lot of different players. And obviously, like I've said before, you'll you'll focus on the goal scorers and you'll focus on the goaltender. But, you know, some of those defensemen on the roster who are not, you know, they're not the kind of guys who wind up from out of the blue line and fire things in, but they make really, really good, solid plays in the defensive zone. We've talked about how good our uh, PK unit is this season. And you're like, why don't we honor more of those guys? You know, there's just a lot of different, there's a lot of different components that you could, uh, that you could uh, single out in something like that. So it's, it's always difficult. So moving on to the Saturday game, uh, I think it was an entirely different game. It is. I think I, the game inside the game was entirely different too, because I thought we looked, you knew, you knew going into this and I, 
I'm sure that Coach was prepping him for this, but you had to know going into this that Colorado College was going to come out of the locker room on Saturday night, you know, mission to prove something. When you get slacked for seven the night before, Lee, you've got you've got something to prove. So I expected the best out of them in the first period, and that's what we got. And I wasn't surprised to see Cairo College up one nothing at the end of the first. Um, I thought our play was really lazy. I would say, um, yeah, you know, I, the things that we were doing on Friday night, I didn't feel like we were doing in the first and second period of of Saturday. No, they looked out of sorts. Um, I couldn't tell if they were tired or not because it was weird. Because like we had talked about, normally UNO's week game in these two game series in the second half is, has come on Friday. And then Saturday is the game where they, they watch some film, they make adjustments and they look better, but this was the opposite. And you kind of wondered at that point, you're like, you know, they scored seven goals. They had the hot hand on Friday night. And you're wondering, do they have any goals left for this Saturday tilt against Colorado college? And I wasn't sure I wasn't sure at that point after the first period. Obviously, Colorado College was glad to get uh, Grant Crookshank back for the weekend. He's one of their one of their top players, and he had been out with appendicitis uh, for a number of games. So that was a big loss for for a team that doesn't have that's not really a a has a lot of scoring prowess anyway. So right. he gets that first goal. We're down one to nothing after the first. I'm not I'm not as worried, but the way that the team was playing, as you mentioned, I was worried if if this you know, continues for another period, I would be a little bit concerned. Yeah, I, it was, it was really the play. It wasn't the score that had me worried. And I mean, I was just a little worried in the, after the end of the first, the first five minutes of the second really had like, (laughs) I was thinking, well, we're not getting back from this. And even throughout the rest of the second, quite honestly, like until, you know, midway through the third period. Yep. I thought that, there was no way we were coming back because Krukshank scores again. We're down two nothing. Yep. It's late in the second that Miller gets his power play goal so that we cut it in half and we're down two one. Really nice but, goal by Matt Miller. Yep. Right. But I just but, didn't feel like anything outside of the power play was really working at that point in time. Right. And they held that one goal lead for quite a long time. And and as as the, the minutes kind of tick off. In the third period, you do get a little worried that they're just going to be able to hold that thing, and it's going to become a situation where there's a couple minutes left to go in the third. You're still down one. You're pulling the goal. You're trying to get it. And obviously, when you're a team that's able to hold a one-goal lead for an extended period of time, it it does help boost your confidence. And the team knows what they need to do, and that that what they need to do is they need to keep UNO from getting good looks at their net. So they, they start to clamp down. They try to slow the game down a little bit. Yeah, and and so I was I was a little bit worried, and 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 then the Mavs tie it up. Uh, yeah, with a really nice goal from Taylor Ward. Yeah, he was due a goal. He really was due a goal. We've talked about that a yeah. lot, but that was that was a great time to that was a great time to uh, put one in the net. And he certainly had some of the better looks on Saturday. Yep, yeah, he sure did. He really did. And. His line, you know, playing with Weiss, uh, I I went back and listened, you know, early in the season in, in the pod and stuff, how they they weren't together. 
And I said, there's just some sort of chemistry between Ward and Weiss that you really kind of need to get them, you know, back together on a line. Um, and I think that Primo has been a solid addition there too. Uh, yep. And that line just, it's every weekend that line seems to, even if they're not on the scoreboard, they're dangerous. They have opportunities and, you know, that needs to be the case. Like they need to be consistent performers at that level. Uh, and if they are, you can't key up on them because behind them, you've got Conley's line coming in and that yep. line, especially if it looks like they might move Miller there or, or Bremer there, you know, that's a, that's a dangerous line with Conley and Bremer. So Exactly. Exactly right. That's 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 really been the that's been the key difference this season has been the depth. It's multiple lines that you look at and you look at and you say that line is productive. We didn't have that the last couple seasons. You had one, maybe two lines, but most of the time it was just one line that was producing and that makes it much much easier for the the tough competition that we face in the NCHC to figure out what you're doing and to shut you down. So, yeah. And you think you might get a break with with Omaha, you know, when they put out what is somewhat of a checking line with Sullivan and Miller and Randall. But I mean, you look at Miller's goal there and in the second period, and it's it's clear that even that line can be dangerous if you let up on them too much. So that's what we've always needed. We need a team that can just roll dangerous lines, even if they're not productive every night you know right any given night it could be a different line that's fine but it needs to be one of those things like any weekend it could be any one of the lines so exactly you just key up and say hey keep Gensel off the board and we're fine exactly you need to be a mo- mo- multi-headed monster like that and that's uh, right. that's really what the team's evolving into and i i'm liking the looks of it so far so we're tied at that point jason are you still worried because I was still worried. Um, I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried. Anytime I think a game could potentially go to overtime, or it's one of those situations where it's tied late and some fluky bounce, some fluky shot goes in late for the other team, and it just. I was I was only worried in that I, based on the play that we had before, I wasn't sure the mental stability of the guys like where they were mentally was was my concern i thought that we'd finally figured out our play we are starting to play the way that that i've seen us play but like you just mentioned when you're in those last five six seven minutes of of the game you know you really need to treat it like overtime hockey you need to treat it like sudden death yep right if if they score you know it's going to be a struggle for us. And I think we saw that, you know, right after that, um, Millar takes the, the tripping penalty for Colorado College. And you could just see from Colorado College's body language and stuff. Like, I thought that they were really, they were worried, I think, just yep. about UNO going on the power play this late in the yep. game, right? And they kill it off, which... I thought gave them, you know, quite a bit of momentum and they, they made a push yep. there after that. Uh, and that's where I was worried was that that push from Coward College, I thought, man, if this just squeaks by, we're, I don't know where we get it, right? Because we're sitting three minutes left. Like, where does yep. that come from? Yeah, for sure. And then but... I just remember thinking, I remember sitting there with like two minutes left, almost <laughs> a minute left, 
I'm just thinking this is literally like whether it happens now or in overtime, next goal wins. Yep. And I remember thinking that. <laughs> and then I saw the arm go down and Proctor scores. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we got yeah. it. Like, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. And it was that again, that was as exciting as uh as exciting as Friday night was, that was a really, really exciting moment to to get go up one goal late, late, late in the third period is exciting. One of our solid defensemen, Kirby Proctor, gets the game-winning goal. It was it was great because I'm I'm thinking it you know I was thinking for most of the game. Well, if we come out with a split, I guess it's you know I guess it's not too bad. That's par for the course what we've been doing all season, but. Uh, but that was excited to get, you know, Primo and Weiss on the assists on that goal. And at that point in time, I we knew, at least at home, being able to, you know, have everything at our fingertips. We knew the St. Cloud State ending. We knew the Duluth ending. So we knew what three points versus two points meant for, for UNO. Obviously, the guys on the ice probably weren't focused on that or didn't know where they could where they would be sitting or anything like that. Um, so it was just great. And then the mental lapse by Carroll College, like it shocked me that uh, they played so well off of that ensuing puck drop. They get the yep. puck into the zone, and I'm going, what, what, where's the sixth guy? Like, yeah, no, the goalie's still in the net. I'm like, why is he still in the net? <laughs> I don't like, know. Mental lapse that will take it because I think that. I think if he gets off right away, as soon as they gain entry, this is a different story because they had puck possession in our zone in that last minute. Yeah, I don't know like, if they would have scored, but I mean, they certainly should have gotten some good opportunities. But yeah, exactly right. Desperation in those situations can you know lead to a situation where players are firing at will, and you never know what's going to go in. We've had those moments with this team, and certainly you're not wanting to see it. But the way that when you have that big that big moment where you get the goal that puts you up three to two, it's an emotional time. And that's ultimately when you're the most vulnerable in a game is right at that point. And that's why a lot of times we see situations where you and old score, they'll get very, very excited. The fans will rejoice. And then boom, the other team comes down and scores because mentally you're just, you're kind of off guard, you know, basking in the goal glow of what has already happened. So Yep, but we get the great win. It was a great series. I can't remember if anybody threw a broom. I don't think anybody brought a broom. Did you see a broom? No, they no. Yeah, they're they're uh, pretty we, we are, to cut out. We are not good on our. We are not. Some, maybe somebody had a. I don't know. We are just not good between the hats on the hat trick and the brooms. We're just not good. I remember well, one of our. I remember one of our fellow that's what fans. What happens when, when only you know like ten percent of the. <laughs> the capacities there right and you don't get the 10 percent of people that know that you should be exactly to a hockey game exactly i remember i think it was either 2010 or 2011 we uh, uno was playing a series up at minnesota and we went up for that and i remember one of the for the saturday game we'd won friday and then for the saturday game a, a fellow uno fan named jeff french who's a professor at uno actually he brought a broom with him into into Mariucci, he snuck it in in his coat, and he brought. And before the game, he's like, "Hey, John, look." And I'm thinking, "Wow, it's a bold move bringing a bringing a broom to another team's arena." But sure enough, we got to throw the broom, so it was pretty exciting. But 
<laughs> but but apparently we're not on our game. But it's we'll 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 chalk it up to COVID and lack of fans and everybody being thrown off. So so but but it was great to get the sweep. It was great for the guys. Great for the team. They seem very very excited. Uh, you could tell in the post game presser comments that Coach Gabinet was very very pleased. So. And that was huge for us. UNO now has four games remaining. Um, we've yep. solidified that we will be a top four team going into the NCHC playoffs. Uh, Denver can't catch us. It, you know, with a lot of the way things kind of shook up, I was um, a couple stats sh- sites and stuff I was looking at were talking about like what are the potential matchups and the odds of different matchups and things. Um, and right now on the points per game rankings were actually third, uh, which is an excellent spot for UNO because if you assume that things go the way that they are set up, right? Like North Dakota wins, St. Cloud wins, Omaha wins, Duluth wins, your top four seeds move on to your next round. I don't think that's going to happen. But if you assume that does, um, we don't have to worry about seeing North Dakota until round two. Yeah, and just to clarify for people listening, because I know that they're going to add us. They're going to add <laughs> us on Twitter and Facebook. UNO is officially fourth place in the standings, but we have, because of the COVID delays, we have a couple games in hand on some of the other teams in the conference. Correct, Jason? Right. We have one game in hand on both St. Cloud and Duluth. Yeah, so so that's the idea being that we have more, we have a, we have a, a more opportunities to get points than um, some of the competition that's sitting around us in the conference. So obviously UNO clinches fourth. We're sitting at 38 points in the conference. You know, we're it's tight there. We're at 38. Duluth is at 39. St. Cloud's at 40. North Dakota's at 44. And we've got, like, what, four games against North Dakota coming up? Well, yeah, we got four games against North Dakota, and Duluth has St. Cloud. Okay. So there's an opportunity... So- yeah, there's an opportunity to move bar, up there. Like, worst case scenario for UNO is that they split both nights going to OT. Because right. then both teams would get three points, right? Yep. So you're now in a situation where in your four games you need to get... I mean, we basically need to get two... A, a win in regulation plus a win in overtime or two regulation wins, something along those lines. And we would be a, we'd be the second place team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing to think about. It's going to be a tough stretch because all the rest of our games are against North Dakota. Three of those are getting played in grand forks. We only have one here in Omaha, the way that the schedule shook out. So that's going to be a challenge for UNO. Obviously, you've got to do everything you can to try and win that uh, that Friday game uh, coming up on February 26th against North Dakota at Baxter Arena. That should be I'm, I'm excited about that. That should be a fun that should be a fun game to watch. But then you've got to see if you can take more points against North Dakota. You got to see if you can get another game in there. If you can, and we've played well at North Dakota. We've talked about this before. We've we've had some strong performance. I know it's always exciting for the players to go up and play in the beautiful Ralph Engelstad Arena, which is a little bit too much like 
gold and kind of brass casino looking in certain parts for my taste but but i know it's a very impressive under the hood it's an incredibly impressive facility but it's exciting and i know people were excited they're like i I, one of our fellow fans came up to us after the game and they're like john we clinched fourth and i'm and home i we clinched home ice but we're not gonna we're not gonna be at home to play you know finally after all these years we would get to you know I know it's it's we didn't actually do season tickets this year, but we'd finally get to to use that home 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 playoff ticket credit. And no, it's not going to happen. We got we got to go we got to go face a a single elimination a single elimination format up in Grand Forks. So it's 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 bittersweet in a way. You're like, ooh, this is nice. They they clinched a top four seed for the first time in in ages, but. We've got to we've got to continue this conversation on the uh, yes. on the playoffs because we have to talk about some ticket stuff. But before we do that, we should we got to wrap up the weekend series and pick our players of the game. I know in our text you said you <laughs> wanted to go with the easy ones, so yes, why don't you just go ahead and get it out of the way. Brock Bremer, <laughs> that he gets three goals and gets the hat trick on Friday night, and he also gets two assists on Friday night. That is yeah. that's about as good as it's going to get as a player. That is a that is a career type game, fantastic game for him. Very excited to see him have that success because he was a player when he was at Muskegon, and then he uh, he was traded to the Lincoln Stars. He was a player that we've been waiting. I was hoping we would have seen him last season, but they gave him a, another year, another year in juniors, and I I think that that's paying dividends with a lot of these guys. But fantastic player, Brock Bremer, the freshman forward. Hat trick and two assists, five total points on the night, five points on the weekend. I was hoping he'd have another stellar night on Saturday night, but that was, <laughs> it's kind of kind of hard when you leave everything on the ice uh, in, a, say, in a Friday game like that. <laughs> five points in one game, it's hard to follow that up with much of anything. It, it is, yeah, 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 absolutely. So yes, I told Jason via text I was picking the obvious one, and. Jason was probably like, why do we keep doing the podcast with this guy? He's just going to pick the most. <laughs> we either pick Tyler Weiss or whoever's the most obvious player. <laughs> I have to do all the work here. I got to be the one to yes. go. Okay, well, if it's not him, then who is it? And... It's been an exhausting season. It's just all the stress of our game's going to happen. Aren't they going to happen? I don't have the energy. To touch. I just need, I need, I need somebody to, you know, throw me some softballs here. So yes, I thank you, Jason. Brock Bremer is well, my player of the week. And I will say I'm I'm a bit torn on mine. I narrowed it down to two, and um, I think that the the listeners that have been following us for a while and know me um, would expect me to go with Weiss. You know, he had, I think both nights he was one of our better players, and he's really starting to play a little bit more physical with his game. Um, He's doing a much better job seeing the ice. You're starting to get that kind of, we always expected him when he came in to be that playmaker kind of guy. He's not a, he's not a sniper. He's not a goal scorer. Uh, He will score some goals for you, but you know, everything that I've read scouting reports and stuff on him is that he's the setup artist, right? You know, he's got really good speed, really good skating, nice edge work um, and good hands. And, you know, need to develop size, need to develop uh, vision and, and awareness for the game. And, and that's what we're, I think we're finally starting to see. I expected um, what we're seeing out of him this year 
is what I kind of expected out of him last year. So it just seems like he's finally kind of getting it, around. It's, it. that's a, it's a really good point that you make. And obviously you can look back. Players have their own trajectories and they have their own timelines. And it depends on a lot. There's a lot of different things that go into that. But you do wonder what if. What if he had played after his time with the National Development Training Program? What if he had played, you know, like a season with the Lancers or the Stars or one of our teams around here so that the coaching staff could keep an eye on What if he'd had that year to develop and he was just a sophomore now? We would be very excited right. about the future. Or we'd be worried that he was going to leave after his after his junior campaign. But you always ask that because there's I, we've had players like that over the year where they kind of come into their own, their junior season, and you're always like, what and and it may not have made any difference at all, but you're like, what if he'd been able to work on his game a little bit more, maybe build a little bit of size in juniors, and then come? I I always wonder yeah. that about that with him because he's one of I I I think he's going to be one of those players at some point where we're going to be like, man, if he just had another season. And again, I don't, and I say this, and and this just popped into my mind. I don't do they, even though we're playing this season, do we get another year of eligibility after this? I don't know. I I I. We'll have to talk. That'll be. We'll talk about that at a at a an episode here later on down the road. I'll, what the yeah, I'll need to talk are. to some of my compliance people at uh, the NCAA about that because I know they were giving them to um, some extra to some conferences and teams, some, weren't they? But, yeah, yeah, but I don't I don't know if hockey was included, so that just popped into my head. So anyway, okay, so but that is obviously not Jason's pick for player. Not my pick. Because as we talked before, I think we need to give credit to some of the guys who don't necessarily yes. score the goals, who aren't, you know. Yep. And and sometimes I wish that they go a little bit more outside of the box when they pick their three stars because right. I thought Taconic was our best defenseman. I thought that he was hands down competing for one of the best players. Um, I, I just, I'm so impressed by his reads and his awareness and his willingness to be physical. Um, I just, he was, a, he's a great addition to this UNO team. And I think he deserves credit, especially this weekend. Uh, he seemed like a leader, you know, a guy that could come in and say, you know, we need to, we, we need to take these guys seriously. We need to, you know, take care of business. Um, and, and I think he leads by example, which is, is something that I really appreciate from the guys. So um, my pick is to yeah, and a great pick, a great pick he is. That's that's one of those things when we talk about the success. And I was talking about this with uh, my buddy Krutov, who is, for those who don't know, is the guy who built and drives the little Mavboni out to pick up the fish after UNO's first goal. He was talking about some of the players that had come from other players, players like you know Nate Konepke, who came to to UNO from Minnesota. Um, you look at a guy like Kevin Conley, who came from Denver, and and Johnny Tyconic, who comes here from North Dakota, and getting those transfer players, it's always, it's always exciting. Sometimes transfer players work out, sometimes they don't. But I will tell you that this coaching staff has had really good luck, and and you look at the contributions, and you look at the impact made by some of these transfer players, and it's been really significant. And part of that's a testament to the player getting a second chance, finding a team that they that they fit in with better and they're going to get more opportunities to play. Part of it's the way that the coaching staff uh, is developing things and he's been a really, really important and, and you definitely notice a difference with this team when he's not in the lineup. Yeah. So back to the conversation about the playoffs. Yes, because... 
Um, not only not only we did, did we secure home ice, if this had been a normal season, we would have been like, God, this is great. We get home playoffs, and then there's a good chance we get to go to St. Paul for the NCHC Frozen Faceoff, which is a great trip. We made our first trip in 2019, and we didn't think it was going to be our last trip. <laughs> our last trip. We, we had had plans. We had our hotel rooms reserved. And I had ranted on this podcast last season about the fact that they were making you use the wasn't it the Minnesota Wild app I think cuz it's it's played at the the Minnesota Wild Arena you had to use right. like the Minnesota Wild app to use your tickets they weren't doing paper tickets and I you know I had one of my old school rants about how they should just let you buy tickets whichever way you want and it turned out to be a moot point and at that point I'm like man I wish that this pandemic wasn't here and I had to use the stupid app for tickets cuz just just like to go to watch hockey eat good food go to Mall of America go to IKEA it would have been fun and it's not going to happen this year I know some fans hope that it did but it's going up to Grand Forks for an all team weekend plus extravaganza it's going to be done in a really compact schedule all eight of those teams playing in the first the first round games and then they'll do the four team quote unquote frozen face off and ticket packages as jason mentioned came out well the information came out so pre-sale for those who have purchased frozen face off before starts tomorrow well what would be tomorrow for us when we're recording this the yes. 16th yep february 16th those will go on those the the pre-sale will happen they won't be on sale to the general public so here's who the pre-sale includes okay a pre-sale for full event packages beginning on tuesday february 16th will be made available to past frozen for past frozen face-off ticket buyers see i wonder if i'm I'm trying to remember. I'm wondering, am I included in that? I don't know. Or did I win my tickets? I can't remember. Two years ago seems like forever. So so if you've gone to a Frozen Face-Off in the past, you will have a chance to buy. If you're a North Dakota season ticket holder, you will have a chance to buy. And North Dakota Champions Club members will have a chance to buy. It said... And then they add, while each member school will also have an opportunity to purchase full event package inventory set aside for each NCHC member. Now, knowing UNO from the past when it comes to road game allotments and whatnot, sometimes they don't get their ticket allotment for some of these events. So I don't know if UNO will get a ticket allotment. Considering everything that's going on and the fact that people aren't really traveling that much, I don't know if they'll get their inventory, but maybe they will. Maybe they will go ahead and get their inventory. So UNO fans, if you haven't attended a Frozen face-off before, I don't know at this point whether you will be able to buy tickets during the pre-sale, which starts February 16th. Julian and I were talking about this and it just sucks because like you had mentioned, we finally get, you know, we finally get a home ice series where we could have gone and seen the first round of the playoffs at Baxter. And because of COVID, we're not going to be able to do that. And then now we're put in this position of like, <laughs> is this the year that Omaha wins the whole thing? Because number one, we can't get tickets because North right. Dakota buys them all and they are, they're doing it, the ticket this way and we don't get our allotment or something. Or because we just look at it going, it's just not, is it really worth the risk to go up there for this? Right. I don't know. Right. I don't know either. 
what's you know what it, what are things gonna look like in three four weeks when we're up there um and so it's just like this is it's tearing us apart because it's like do we risk it or don't we and and how well is UNO gonna perform in this format and thank it, it yeah we'll be watching no matter what but it's like I really struggle with do I want to get tickets and go up there yeah, I mean, here's what I will tell you. I would love to get tickets and go up there, but number one, it's a limited number of tickets. So, you know what I'm saying? It's I know, nothing. and I just don't know when you read off that list and you mentioned that you know North Dakota people get first grabs at this things. We talked about this on the last podcast. I feel like this is going to be a bunch of games that are attended by North Dakota fans and the you know, Duluth, St. Cloud, Omaha, Denver fans are going to be few and far between. Yeah. And let me, let me give you my take on this and, and we're going to, we're going to, cause this is kind of a, a pod format essentially for this, where all teams are together, where we're not traveling to a bunch of different campus sites for the first round of the playoffs. We're just going to one location. So you go back to December when the NCHC did its 38 game pot. It was supposed to be 40 games, but a couple games got canceled because of COVID issues with Colorado college. UNO had hoped to sell tickets. I got a message from a higher up in the athletic department attesting to the fact that they had hoped to sell tickets about 1500 a game, which is what they've been selling for tickets in the second half. Ultimately, the rest of the conference didn't go with that idea. But my question is this, if UNO had hosted those games, would UNO season ticket holders, because it's a technically it's a conference event, it's a neutral side event, would UNO ticket holders and UNO club seat holders, would they have gotten first right on those tickets before anybody else? Right. You know, I don't know. And I just wish, to me, it would have been smarter for the NCHC to come in and say, all right, we're going to have, let's just use Baxter as an example and say, all right, 1,500 people are going to, you know, or we're going to allow in, right? Right. Next number. Let's just say 2,000. Keep even. 2,000. 2,000 right? yeah. people come into the arena, okay? If if UNO is playing Western Michigan in the first round, right. then UNO gets 1,000 seats and Western Michigan gets 1,000 seats. And you have one week to sell those tickets. If you don't, whatever you don't sell at the end of that week then goes into general admission sales and anyone can buy them. Yeah, I like that idea. Here's what I like. I like the idea for that first game, because you don't know if your team will make it past the first round. For that first game, make those seats available for a week. As I believe you mentioned, it's, it's all flying in and out of my head. You make those seats available for a week to the two teams. And then if right. those don't sell, you put those on to the on sale to the general public and North Dakota fans and whoever can get them. But that way... Each team's getting its allotment for that game. And then for the, the four game, because that's the first two days, then a couple days later for the, the four game thing, or the, four, the semis not the, the, the four, finals. The semis and the finals, then. I, I'm right. sorry, four game was not right, but it, you've got the four teams. For the semis and the finals, then you have a package available for that. And you could sell that package, you know, potentially, well, you probably wait till after you sell the first ones. But yeah, it's... And I'd I'd, sell them se- I would sell them at the same time, but I just sell them separately. Like, yeah. If you want, if you want your team's first round, here's what it costs. 
here's you go to your like I go to UNO because I already have a relationship right there, and I go to them and I buy my tickets through them right that's my game one right if right. I want to go to the semis and the finals as well then that's an NCHC sale and I go to the NCHC and I buy them as a pair you cannot buy right. at least in the beginning you can't buy semis and not finals or finals and not semis you get those two games as package because everyone's going to the same spot. And I think that a lot of people would probably say, if I'm going, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go support my team, and I'll, you know, if I can get the semis and the finals, I will. Um, and there's gonna be people that are gonna hold on to it. They're gonna be, you know, all right, I'm buying all three, and if my team doesn't make it out of the first round, then, you know, fine whatever i'll sell them you know on the street or something like that like because I, yeah because the thing is there's a couple day gap and so that's that that's my fault because those quarterfinal games the first round games with all eight teams are played on the 12th and on the 13th you know that's a situation where um the the frozen face off the semifinals don't start until monday the 15th so you're going to have a day off or two days off if you're the team that plays on Friday, March 12th. And a lot of a lot of fans are the type that just not wanting to be away from home, not wanting to spend the money, not wanting to deal with any potential weather issues, would come for their team. And if their team loses in that first game, they'll spend the night and then they'll turn around the next day and they'll go no. back from they'll go back to Duluth or St. Cloud or Omaha or, right. or wherever. You know, if if you're coming from Denver or Colorado College. Maybe you'll stay the whole weekend just because you travel a long way, but I don't know how many of those fans are going to travel. But especially for the fans in close proximity, it makes it easier, especially since you're doing a day gap. I like that idea a little bit better. I know it makes it a little bit more complicated, but I just think you're, you're absolutely right. A lot of North Dakota fans are going to snatch those up, and I'm sure that that was the idea, and that was part of the reason that they held it here was they knew that North Dakota fans compromise a lot of the attendance at the frozen face-off anyway, so if it's on their home ice, there's a better better than average chance that they'll win. Have it there. Their fans can snap up the tickets. They can try to salvage something They're financially. Basically guaranteed sales for the NCHC on their tickets, right? They didn't want to risk not being able to sell out their, you know, what they're lauding for tickets to each game. But it's unfortunate for us because, like, part of my decision is now not just do I want to risk COVID or not? Part of my decision is, can I get tickets or not? Right. Like, even if I decide, hey, I'm willing to take the risk, I want to go see UNO go all the way, I got to get tickets. And right. what are the odds that I get tickets? And even if I get tickets, now I got to say, well, what kind of experience am I getting? Like, I don't want to go to a North, I don't want to go to a UNO game versus Western Michigan and be sitting around a bunch of North Dakota fans. I want to go to a UNO game with Western Michigan sitting around UNO fans. Because these are the people that I hang out with when we go to games here. These are the people that I enjoy hanging out with. These are the these are my right. people, right? Right. Like, North Dakota, they're just not my people. They're not my fans. They're not necessarily cheering for the same team. Well, and if you look at the pricing, so lower bowl suites and club lounge are $249 plus fees. Which is interesting. I wonder about the suites. I'm like, how many people do they, how many people do they let in a suite and how close are you sitting to each other? Are you yeah. Sharing popcorn and pretzels? I don't know. So there's that. And then upper bowl seats, which that's where we saw uh, sat in twenty eleven when we took the uh mappuck.com bus trip there. The upper bowl seats are hundred and ninety nine dollars plus fee. And I don't I'll be honest with you, I don't know how many people are other than North Dakota fans would be willing to pay those prices anyway. 
So, well, 200 for six games isn't terrible. It's not bad, but that's one seat. So you got to... Right. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean... But it's six ga- It's one seat at six games. Yeah, like so. like like if you guys went, like a family of four, I'm not saying you're going to go, but you get the upper bowl seats, that's $200 roughly yeah. per seat. So that's $800. I don't, right. I don't, who's going to do that? Anybody's going to do that? I don't know. I don't think anybody's going to do it, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm seriously torn about it because I really wonder this team, the way UNO is playing, it's hard not to look at them and say that they've got a legitimate shot at at least making the finals against North Dakota, especially if if we sit where we are now, where we don't have to anticipate playing North Dakota in the semis. Right. Like, I think you've got to look at Omaha and say there's a reasonable chance that it's North Dakota and Omaha in the finals. Yes, and I will tell you too, Jason, that one of the stipulations in this is that um, if there are seats available, okay, after this the pre-sale and public sale happen, they will look at doing uh, individual game sales but they sell this many tickets to a normal north dakota game and north dakota fans have first chance at it i yeah i know it's like i just don't expect that there's going to be tickets left over sitting out there because you've given you've given the people most likely to attend and who have the easiest route to attend priority in snapping them up before anyone else yes and i will tell you actually do get it's it says full event packages include seven tickets. So that's pretty... The, the thing that I think is interesting is they're not doing a third-place game this year, which they normally do. And I know that, obviously, because we don't have pairwise, it's there's not any real advantage to having that third-place game. But it would be fun if you did travel all that way and your team did get to the finals to have that, you know, kind of last chance to watch them in person. Yeah. You know? You know, so it is. It's one of those things that I don't know if any tickets would be available because, like we were talking about, if it's 2,000 people, those will probably be gobbled up ahead of time. I don't know that there'll be any available uh, for single-game purchase. So, yeah, it's I, I'm kind of torn. And like you said, and I was talking about this with some other fans at Baxter Arena on Saturday night, you know, this is this is a season where they the team looks really solid and they look like a team that could do something really special. And you're like, but am I going to get to be... A part of that you know it's am i going to be able to travel is would this be the only chance to travel depending on how they do the regionals and the frozen four as far as fans go i don't know what the ncaa may or may not be planning so i don't know it's just it's kind of a it's it's just a weird feeling you know normally you're worried about getting tickets or whether you can travel now you're just like do I want to travel because of this? And will the super, super limitation in the arena make it harder to, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to know. So general, I think you said when the pre-sale went on, did you give them the date for? I think I did, but let's general sales. Let's reiterate that. So the pre-sale starts February 16th and then if there are tickets left after February 19th. Um, well, actually, so here's the thing. All pre-sales run through Friday, February 19th at 10 p.m. 
Then full event packages go on sale to the general public Saturday, February 20th at 10 a.m. So, and there's no discount if you pre-buy. It's just that those constituencies get first access. But like you said, it maybe end up being gobbled up by kind of the core North Dakota fans and North Dakota club members and that type of thing. Yeah. But we'll see, I guess. Uh, listen into the next podcast and hear if, <laughs> if we bit the bullet and bought tickets, I guess. It's hard. I mean, it's hard, like you said, with COVID and everything and until we're, you know, vaccinated. You know, it's hard to know because you're like, God, do I make plans that far out knowing that I could, you know, get the plague and not be able to go anywhere? I mean, it's just, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how many people decide to purchase ahead of time. That, that will be fascinating to see because I know that I believe North Dakota was charging $69 per, per seat for their games up at Grand Forks. And I know some fans were not happy about that and were like, well, I guess I'm not going to be going this year. So maybe maybe it won't be as appealing as we think but i think it'll be pretty appealing it'll be a fun thing for him to do especially not knowing what's going to happen with regionals like i said so i don't know we'll see i'm sure we'll we'll talk about it more we'll see what uh we'll see what transpires this week they may all be gone by the afternoon of february 16th i just don't know we'll see and the other thing we'll see is how Omaha plays at North Dakota on Friday and Saturday. You know, the nice thing about this, and you, you talk about how we're going to fare in the NCHC finals up there, I'll be honest with you, you, it's kind of nice for that playoff format that we get to play three of our next four games in Grand Forks. It gives us a nice warm-up, a nice tune-up. We can get comfortable with the facility, comfortable against uh, some top-notch competition up there. So, this might prove to be a, a real benefit for our team, the way that this shook out. Yeah, so we'll do uh, we'll do two games up in North Dakota Friday, Saturday, and then it's a home and home. It's yep. here, here, yep. and then the following week up there. So Yeah, so here's the way that the schedule shakes out. I've got it up here. So here's, yeah. So here's the way it goes. Yep, 19th and 20th at North Dakota. And then we get that February 26th game, and that's our last home game of the season. And then on March 5th, we go up there. So it's interesting how they did that. That was that was back when they were going to have a different number. You remember they were going to do some three-game series in the second half initially, Jason? Right. And they didn't end up doing that. So it, it kind of seems odd that you have that home and home, but that was kind of to make that kind of even out because I think they were going to do 10 games but now they're only doing seven games so um or is that what they're doing I don't know I'm just I'm just saying stuff now but yeah so four games against one of the best teams in college hockey a team that we're very very familiar with I'm excited going up to North Dakota you never know what's going to happen but the team's playing well I think they're going to be very excited for this series trying to figure out what I'm going to pick. I I don't know. I kind of want to pick... Do I just be bold and just keep picking UNO sweeping teams? Because that seems to be what I've been doing lately. My, my brain says pick a split because I think that that would be a really, really good outcome. But... But I'm going to pick 
I'm going to say UNO goes up to Grand Forks. Well, wait a minute. Do I want to do that? I don't know. Because we clinched, you know, a top four seed, are we going to be playing lackadaisically? Jason's just looking at me like, just say something already. Just <laughs> say it. You're killing me here. Well, I can't dude. say anything until you do, so. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say we go up there and we split. And I'm going to say the scenario is going to be, I'm going to say we win Friday and we lose Saturday. I think it's going to follow what I thought might have been the pattern this weekend, although we came out with the uh, with the victory on Saturday night. I'm going to say we win Friday, we lose Saturday, we get a split, puts us in good position. I don't think we can go up there and sweep because we've never gone up there and swept, and nobody really goes into Grand Forks and sweeps. So I'm not going to make some crazy lunatic pick, even though I'd like to just, considering this, this season's weird anyway, Go up there and do it, but, yep. I think the team has the potential to sweep North Dakota at home up there at North Dakota. Uh, yeah. But I, it's just, it's, North Dakota's a good team. It's hard to, to pick that, and um, I'm going to actually go even more pessimistic and say okay. I don't think UNO wins a game. I think they'll be close. I don't think we're going to get blown out. Um, I don't. I don't expect that the team's going to play like their first game against North Dakota, where we lost six to two. Um, I think it's going to be two games, kind of like the Saturday game, where we won five four. Um, and I think we're going to lose by like a goal or two, but we'll lose both of them. Um, and I think that'll that'll kind of wake the guys up, and then it's a uh, where do we stand, you know, at that point in time. Um, you know, looking at what Duluth and Miami have, you know, you know what they're going to that they're going to have to do a a home and home on, at the end of February. You'll know where we stand at the end of the month, and and that'll be that'll just be where our motivation has to land. You know, going into the the playoffs and that stuff. But I just I struggle North Dakota at home. They have too much. Uh, fi- there's too much firepower on that team, as we saw when we played. Uh, North Dakota last month, you know, you you look at guys like Shane Pinto, Jordan Kawaguchi, Matt Kirstead, Grant Mismash. I mean, yeah, it's an awfully, awfully good team. They played Denver really solid this weekend. There was really no threats. Um, Yep. And, and I just think that North Dakota is prepared to take care of business. I, I have a feeling that they feel a little bit slighted after the last season and and the cancellation and not, you know, they, they had no, they had national championship on their mind. So I think they're, they're supremely focused this year. And that that's the, we needed them to have like an extra week off where we can catch them where they might be a little bit lazy, a little rusty or something, but that's not the case. They played a good Denver team. So they're probably pretty sharp going up there. Um, well, they just they just haven't lost much this season. That's a that's a big right. issue. And not knowing how the NCAA is going to be constructed, tournaments going to be constructed this season. For them, not knowing you know what the point breakdown is and what you need to do, having a lot of uncertainty in the human factor. I think that they're going to be they're going to have ample motivation 
to just keep winning so that they can get as right. good a seat as possible in whatever the format turns out to be. So it's going to be tough. I'm I'm optimistic. I'm putting picking a split. I'm hoping that maybe we catch them off guard Friday night, get the win. But your prediction could very well be the be the uh, outcome. And then it's you know the home and home series, and who knows what will happen in that. That could be very very interesting uh, to cap off the season. So we'll just have to see. But it'll be interesting, and it's always fun to. To watch North Dakota, I'm just happy that the games are not on CBS Sports Network. The minute I say that, I, I jinx it to that. I get to watch it on my NCHC TV package, which means I get to see all of those Midcoast Sports Network ads, like the Home of Economy ad and a bunch of other ads for you know ice fishing lodges, etc. <laughs> that we get to enjoy that we saw over and over and over again during the NCHC pod games because Midcoast Sports broadcast those games. So it'll be interesting to see, but but stay tuned. Jason and I will uh, have our reaction after this coming weekend series. And until next yeah, time, be sure to follow Matt Puck on Facebook, follow Matt Puck on Twitter. You can find back episodes of this podcast on Matt Puck, and I promise on each of the each of the the platform pages, the Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and YouTube. I will get all of every. I will get everything embedded this week. That's my, that's my goal because I've I've gotten a, a game or so behind on some of that. So, Jason's just looking at me. That's why we haven't had as many. <laughs> that's why we haven't had as many. These guys have done a podcast. There's for your a while. problem. There's the problem. My apologies for that. So until next time, go Mavs. Go Mavs.